talk if you want to. If you don't want to talk, we can leave your friends what? behind. And if they don't talk, and if you don't talk, then you're no friends of mine. <laughs> the safety talk. <laughs> That's funny. Um, have you ever watched? Have you watched that movie, The Babysitter, on Netflix? Yes, it's great. Okay, because I uh, asked this morning, I was just like flipping through because I didn't know what to watch, and I saw the trailer for the sequel, and so I was like, you know, if you stay still for too long, it starts playing the trailer or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this looks really funny. I need to start watching it. So I watched, started the first one while Scott was at home for lunch. So uh, it just, yeah, it looks really kind of silly. Yeah, it's got this really strong emotional bond in it, though, kind of like Final Girls, where it's really like, oh, wow, it's, it's, it's touching and it's kind of affecting me. And those are, those are, hmm. teams. Those, those qualify for We Got the Beat. Well, that's why I asked because I thought well, maybe we could, you know, save them for next time. Yeah. Because um, I just discovered we, that today. Well, we are 12 days out from Halloween and everybody, we're discussing Fright Night. For real. Wait, are you recording? I am recording. I like to surprise people. I like to start it. Oh. <laughs> I started it when I did you... the, uh, <laughs> the singing. <laughs> you started recording me when I was singing? No, when uh, I was singing. Oh, okay. I was like, not cool, man. Um, anyway, maybe we'll see if we have time. But let's let's talk about Friday night today. All right, everybody. Uh, this is a battle in my head. I mentioned it last time or two episodes ago that uh, Friday night was my favorite movie for 30 years. But then I saw Final Girls, and that kind of changed things. There's always a battle. Which one's my favorite? I think part of it's because Final Girls is newer to me that it's taking place Friday night. Because this last time I watched Friday night, I was just like, I love it, but I'm I'm kind of tired of it. Like I need a break. I watch it every single year. Yeah, you know, I think it's still a super good movie, but I do think that it has some weak moments, and part of that is just age, you know. Yeah. Well, the so tone is weird at times. Yeah. Truth. I just, uh, well, it was the other day I was pretending to be Chris Sarandon in this, and I was like, that Parth, when he says, uh, you know, it's towards the end when he transforms, and he's, um, that's when yep. it gets really silly. When he, and he's trying to talk through those teeth, and he's like, kill them for me. Both! <laughs> yeah. My favorite part is when he, when he, uh, says, um, you have, oh, what does he say? Uh, you have to have faith for that to work, or whatever. But it's when he started transforming, and he does say it kind of funny too. Mister Vincent. <laughs> yes, exactly, Mister <laughs> Vincent. He gets like I don't want to make fun of it because he seems like a pretty cool dude, and he's been in a lot of really like awesome movies that I really well, like. I think it's but just I the imagine... fact that the mouth appliance is no, so hard to talk I'm through. I'm sure. It has nothing to do with him. He's a, he's a classy dude uh, dealing with 80s special effects and makeup. So, um, but, you know, the, I think, are we starting backwards? We're kind of starting at the end with our complaint. Yeah, well, yeah, we're, um, we're just kind of a random conversation. Okay, so generally I like this movie. You know, I think you probably introduced me to this pretty young. And I, while definitely not saying that it is my favorite movie, I have always liked it. But I have some issues. Yeah, what is it? We were talking about this the other day. Um, 
What is your first horror movie? I know mine was Lost Boys and Monster Squad. Does Monster Squad really count? Um, Because I thought it was popcorn. We had taped it off TV and I showed it to you. And you thought it was pretty damn good. And that kind of started the trend Uh, of you to watch them. I was pretty young watching popcorn. But honestly, I'm not really sure. I don't really know what counts. Little Monsters, Monster Squad. Wait, is that the one? Little, Little Monsters? That's the one with Fred Savage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff like that was kind of like my first things, I guess. But true horror movie, I'm going to trust you because you remember stuff way better than I do. And it probably was popcorn. I don't know. We were allowed to tape stuff off TV and watch it because it was edited. So it was either popcorn or maybe Deadly Friend. Uh, Do you remember Deadly Friend? Is is William Red... What's his name? Ragsdale in that too? No, that's Matthew Love Bordeaux from uh, Little House on the Prairie and Kirstie Swanson, oh, their best friend. I remember Kirstie Swanson. Okay, I think I've seen it, but I don't remember oh, much okay. about it because I was yeah. pretty young. But Frightening so... was very soon after we were able to start watching them. But I got to rent that one. And that was like the first time mm-hmm. I think you had seen a horror movie that was unedited. I mean, what year do you think that was? I want to say, okay, so Army of Darkness came out in 93. And okay. we went and saw we that. Saw, the, uh-huh. We saw that in the theater, and I know yep. I rented Evil Dead. Well, I saw Evil Dead Two and Evil Dead together. Like Evil Dead was on a Friday night on USA Up All Night, and the next day I went over to get Evil Dead Two at the uh, video store. And then, like a week later, there was a trailer for Army of Darkness, and I'm pretty sure I had seen a trailer for um, Fright Night Two on on some video I rented that weekend. I was like, okay, that was cool, but I have to go back and get the first one. And so I, ha- I really, I think it's early '93. Uh, so I saw Army of Darkness in the movie theater a few, but did I see the other ones prior to that? No, because they were way too gruesome. Okay. Well, no, maybe you well, saw the yeah. second one, but I know you didn't see the first one. There's no way. Oh well, I don't know. So maybe, maybe I was twelve or thirteen. Yeah, that so that's guessing? kind of that's kind of the age where people start discovering <laughs> horror. I feel like maybe I saw Lost Boys before that. Probably. I don't know for sure, but I think there's a, the likelihood's pretty high. Um, anyway, I don't know. I, it doesn't really matter that much. But um, can I say my, my main annoyances with this movie? Yeah, go ahead. Charlie Brewster's a jerk. <laughs> he is a jerk, but I think that's part of his arc. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Evil Ed is really fucking annoying. Oh, yes. He's a douche like, compared to Evil Ed why, and Remake. Yeah. Why is he friends with him? And why is his name evil before he even gets turned to evil? I don't know. Because he's a jerk? Maybe. Uh, but he hates being called evil, so there has to be some reason. Maybe it's just a thing that they just never really clear up or maybe it got cut out. Yeah. Because he already establishes <laughs> you know he hates being called that. Yeah. So I don't know if it's because he was a True. horror fan. Right. Well, he was... Was he the horror fan or his only... See, that's how I think they're friends. They both were, I think. I think that maybe was what connected them. They both were. But, it, you know, they didn't spend as much time on him. We don't know any of his backstory. He just shows up when, you know, they need, like, some conflict or whatever. Um, So we don't know. We know that Charlie was pretty obsessed with horror movies and um, Fright Night and all that stuff, but we don't exactly know very much about Ed, honestly. Um, so that is kind of annoying, because I think we've talked about people with nicknames and how we hate that they have them without explanation. 
um, which happens more often in movies than it should. Like, there's a reason why people get nicknames. Just tell us what it is. It's really not that hard. Um, <laughs> and then my, I think this thing annoys me more than anything, and I, I'm not sure why. I, I guess I just think it's silly. But it's a special effect, you know, makeup choice of when Amy <laughs> at, at towards the end starts her transformation and her hair goes from, like, super short to, like, long and flowing and it just, like, her hair and like everything changes like five times and you're just like was that a conscious choice I mean it has to be that they couldn't not notice how dramatically different it looked every time but it's just like why is it why yeah and I it, mean yeah cause um uh shit why am I forgetting all of a sudden what, what's Chris Randon's character uh, um Jerry Dandridge thank you it's embarrassing Jerry Dandridge well is... I just I just watched it's not I like just his, watched both of them. Yeah, it's so not like pretty... his hair got long <laughs> when he transformed. No. So why does hers get long? I don't. Yeah, I didn't get that either. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was because it was she was like it was her an, initial transformation before she went, you know, before she went a hundred percent vampire because she didn't. So I don't know, but it was just weird and. Um, off-putting because maybe it's just because I thought the makeup and the, the wig and stuff was really really lame looking or just like really bad and so it kind of it was just really distracting I thought from like you know a, the a pretty climactic moment in the story uh, that they made that weird choice <laughs> yeah it's uh back to the Charlie and Evil Ed thing yeah I think they're both horror yeah. misfits like Charlie looks like your normal everyday kid but I think he's so lost in his own world and he's a narcissist and he apparently has ADD uh, I don't know what's the backstory on his father. Did his father die or was he never there? Did he run off? True. Um, so I feel like even though he looks like a normal kid, and he got Amy, I think, a lot because there is some sweetness in him. There's some heart. Um, but he's so overwhelmed with his own impulses that uh, there's this constant pull and t- you know give and take with their relationship. Like she knows who he really is. But it's so frustrating dealing with that, and I think he has problems making friends, with the exception of Evil Ed, who they seem to have also a give-and-take kind of relationship that's yeah. uh, antagonistic. Well, when you describe it like that, he sounds like a pretty relatable teen. I mean, I've been there. I was. I think about who I was for a long time. I was extremely narcissistic. People loved hanging out with me until my little switch would go. Um, I was selfish, yeah. I was needy, I was obnoxious, and uh, I wasn't very uh, uh, giving of time or mental space, I guess, to others. But I think a lot of people know who I was deep down. It's just it was hard to control my impulses. Yeah, I wouldn't would say that, there, you know, you've, you've done a lot with that, but some of it still remains, you know. Yeah. Impulse control is a weird thing. For no matter how old you are, but I'm glad that you've gotten a little better control of it. Yeah, I think but a yes, lot of it's I can based see what you're in, saying. Very relatable. Yeah, I think it's based a lot on insecurity, and maybe he was insecure that his father was gone, and maybe that's what it is because they have a very expensive house in California. I wonder if he died, and he's been gone for a long time. Yeah, but you you know, it just makes me wonder. I mean, I'm not a writer. I'm not a storyteller. 
But, and I don't know what motivates people when they're doing those sorts of things. But to me, as a person who, you know, I'm a voracious reader and consumer of entertainment, uh, and, and from a perspective of a person, you know, who has seen a lot and enjoys lots, I think really would it take that much more effort to give a little bit more backstory to give these people more depth. I mean, why, yeah, why couldn't you just tell us a little bit about his dad? It's not like end-all, be-all of the story, but it would definitely give more understanding. You know, just little little bits and it, it, that really can make a movie be, uh, take a movie from being good to great yeah. well, or we're just also mediocre talking, to good. Yeah, we're also talking about a different era of horror movie. What we expect now is so much different. We, we're, we're through the lens of, you know, uh, demanding more than just shock and, you know, uh, sure. special effects. You're, in, in 1985, yeah. this genre was dead. The classic monster genre was gone. It was all backwoods, hicks, you know, killing people, slashers, a little bit of ghost mm-hmm. stories here and there, but they were never really character-focused. And so the yeah. leaps and bounds that he just makes just with this is phenomenal, but in comparison to now, it's, it is lacking. Yeah. I guess, you know, this This is something that we talked about in previous weeks, too, is that emo- uh, character depth, emotional depth, is not a common thing in this genre of film, and that's partially why, you know, movies like Final Girls really, uh, we personally see an enormous value in beyond the obvious because it has more to it you know it really takes the time to put more heart into it yeah but I see and that, that isn't th- common there is more in this though than i think a lot of movies like i said at the time because what really works is the fact that um they're all trying to save charlie they don't believe him that they really deeply care for him even peter vincent who barely knows him yes he takes the money for yeah. the job because he's desperate because he just lost uh, his show but yeah. he he has and he's the winner of this. I love William Ragsdale and yeah. Chris Sarandon, but I pound for pound, Peter Vincent is one of the greatest characters ever, yeah. and it's just a shock to me that it did nothing for his career. Yeah, you're right. This really is. I mean, regardless of you know, you're right. Uh, all the other good acting, and you know, we've been we liked William William Ragsdale for a long time, and a lot of his other projects too, uh, but uh, this really is his movie. You're right that Peter Vincent really, really shines, and he, see how much his character transformation is from beginning of this movie to the end of this movie, and then from the beginning of this movie to the end of the second movie. Like how much he has grown and changed over that that course of time is amazing. Yeah, I think. Um... We're t- the sequence where they finally go to uh, Jerry Dandridge's house to prove he isn't a vampire. And he's so confident. He's putting on his show, yes. you know, his actor face. But when he mm-hmm. drops the mirror and it cracks, you... I mean, that, that's a metaphor, of course, is that his facade is gone yeah. now and he's become mm-hmm. terrified. And this slow rebuild that he has to become a hero. Charlie's already determined. He's... His, uh, uh, development through the movie isn't as extreme as Peter's. 
when Peter has to be there for his this, this young man he barely knows because he cares about the, the, their lives. He wants to save them. He wants to protect them. He wants to stop evil. And I think subconsciously he wanted, he played it in all those horror movies, but he knew it was fake. There's something inside of him, I think, that wants to prove that he is a, I don't want to put it in, a, a, a hero. You know, uh, just uh, not a fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. when he has to kill Evil Ed, and, he, and, and, and Evil Ed's dying, and he's going through the transformation, he's begging to get that thing out of his chest, and Peter starts to tear up, starts to cry over it. The pain. Um, hot damn, that is one of the best moments. Sorry, I'm reading a little bit of the, the facts stuff. I was just curious about, um, you know, some interesting tidbits because, you know, I love to do that. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's my apologies. that they turned Evil Ed into a wolf instead of, like, at that time we had Silver Bullet and Howling and American War of London. They didn't turn him into a, like, animatronic, makeup-heavy uh, werewolf. They made him a wolf and then did the transformation. Yeah, I'm not sure I quite understand that choice. I don't know. It was a big-budget movie, too. This is so weird. It's a first-time director. Yes, he had sold, like, three or four scripts before this. But mm-hmm. this is a first-time director, and they gave him $9 million for a huge Yeah, I know. Movie. I was just reading that, too. Yeah, it's so strange that, because And that was in have... 1980 what? 85. Mm-hmm. Yeah, $9.5 million, I think it said, in 1985. It said uh, much of the film's uh, budget was spent on special effects. It was the first vampire film to spend $1 million on special effects. And is this the first time we really see what, you know, the new look of vampires? Everything had looked kind of like Dracula. Mm -hmm. Is this the first time we had that, like the eyebrow applications and facial change that would become so standard like Lost Boys and Buffy and stuff like that? Quite possibly. I mean, I I don't know that I can speak to earlier stuff because as much as I appreciate, like, classic monsters and stuff, I can't honestly say I've I've seen any of the original old movies, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, but probably. Yeah. It's it's just one of these movies that's a lot of fun. That's I think that's what makes it last, it too, because... Not only did it revive the classic monsters, but it did it with tongue-in-cheek and it had some fun and wild special effects had never really been attempted in the genre. And it was a big hit. People forget, I think. It's it's a cult classic now, but at the time, it made yeah. $25 million, which is nothing to sneeze yeah. at. Yeah, it said it was the second highest grossing horror film of 1985 behind Nightmare on Elm Street 2. That's not nothing. Yeah. Although I don't know how... You know, I don't know how many horror movies were released in 1985, you know, uh, <clears throat> not to underplay its success, but, you know, yeah, well, I'm trying mo- to think. There's many like, more movies. Are, yeah, it's Return yeah. of Living Dead, uh, Friday the 13th, Part 5, Silver Bullets, and that's off the top of my head. I'm sure there's others, but, you know, those are the big ones. Ah, Silver Bullet is such a good movie. It is, and that yeah. movie didn't make but, shit. <laughs> we, already ta- we already talked about that one yeah. last year, right? I think. Yep. Um, so it's, anyway, this is the weird part where I get lost. Apparently the rights to Fright Night didn't actually belong to Columbia Pictures, or yeah, Columbia Pictures. They belonged to a company called Delphi, which had also produced Iron Eagle. And then in the, uh, um, 
three or four years later that they went and took the rights over to a smaller company called Caracol, aka Live Video, and did the sequels to Iron Eagle and Fright Night, but they did them on such a small, tiny, nothing budget and basically ruined the franchise uh, financially because that company went bankrupt. When Fright Night 2 came out, they only had enough money to put it on 148 screens, hardly any advertising besides posters. No one knew it was out. It would just be like word of mouth, and then by the time that happened, it was gone. So a movie that, you know, the first one cost $9.5 million, the second one cost $3 million, um, and right. it just it barely got released, so its life came out on video. And it's just kind of a shame the franchise just got smothered because they wanted more money or whatever reason and didn't stay with Columbia Pictures. Hmm. 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 Um. <laughs> uh, one of the facts I was reading was that um, Charlie Sheen auditioned for the role of Charlie Brewster. Really? Okay. But the director decided his looks weren't right for the character. Charlie Sheen was a hero. William Ragsdale is playing Charlie Brewster as the guy next door. Yeah, I can see yeah, that. Yeah, that makes more sense. I mean... I couldn't imagine uh, Charlie, Charlie Sheen doing that role. Yeah. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Like, especially when he's he always desperate. has some kind of like desperately pleading mm-hmm. for help, and no one understands him. No one believes him. I'm like Charlie Sheen. <laughs> it's because you're crazy. You've been drinking tiger's blood. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I just yeah. Same. I thought that was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you have? Anything other thoughts about this? The first one. No, not really. Uh, I'm sure I'll remember something later that'll bug me to no end. But the plan was always that Evil Ed survives at the end of the first one. Um, and the, the wording is is that since the stake was taken out, that yes, he t- kind of died, but his heart healed or whatever, and his body revived itself after Peter Vincent left. Because that's kind of like the number one rule of vampires. You don't leave the head near the body because they can grow back or, or uh, take the stake oh, out of the heart. Sure. Um, so he was supposed to be the villain in the second movie, but he that was... That laugh at the end, right? I mean, it indicates yeah. that he he did not die. And and he got offered to star in 976 Evil, which was an independent movie being released by New Line Cinema, directed by Robert England, and that had some heat Ooh. on it. So he had a choice. And they, of course, they both come at the same exact time. No one could wait, apparently. And so he chose 976 Evil, so they had to rethink it. And mm. by this time, uh, Tom Holland got offered Child's Play, so he moved on. And then they got Tom mm. Lee Wallace, which was one of John Carpenter's buddies. He did Halloween 3 and would later do It. So he went in and he worked on the script, um, I think weirdly with the guys who created uh, Revenge of the Nerds, of all things. Maybe because it was set in college. <laughs> Yeah. But my problem with Fright Night 2 is uh, the film quality is nowhere nearly as good. Uh, they're clearly using lower, uh, like, fuzzier, softer tones, and it doesn't look as crisp. Also, it does repeat a lot of the stuff in the first movie, and it does seem a little old hat. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, some of the stuff is like, you know, they, like, flip it, and now he's the one at risk and they you know they have to save him and you know they they kind of just flip some of the stuff and uh from the first one so i get it i mean i don't feel like it's 
it's so repetitive that it that it, it is frustrating. I mean, there's so many movies that do that. You're yeah. just like, no. And that was the curse of but, sequels back then, is that until, like, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, sequels are always just a formula, especially with, in horror, because it was just like, well, what do they love about the first one? Let's repeat this. You're right, they do flip it a little yeah. bit. But I think the best part of it, though, is... Um, watching Charlie get seduced and, and taken over to the dark side. Yeah, I, um, so I hadn't seen the second one for a really long time. And I think I had told you a couple weeks ago, I don't really think I like the second one very much. Uh, <clears throat> but I think I didn't, I was being a little too hard on it. Uh, I actually did enjoy it a lot more, um, this time. Um, I really like the girlfriend. Yes, she is a lot better. She's a lot more likable, you know, stronger in personality and, um, you know, just a stronger person in general. I, I always kind of just thought that Amy was a little whiny throughout the entire movie of the first one, but again, maybe I was just being too critical. I don't know. Um... I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this one finds Regine, uh, who is the sister of Jerry Dandridge, uh, basically finally hunting down Charlie and Peter and destroying their lives. T- uh, takes away his show, um, puts him in a mental institution, makes Charlie into a vampire, destroys his relationship. They also, yeah, the werewolf guy tries to take away uh, his girlfriend, Alex, and just, like, just slowly. I think that was kind of funny. Because he was supposed to, like, bite her or kill her. And then he was just like, but I kind of like her. And then he, like, (laughs) steal her her instead, you know? Like, trying to get her to go out with him. Yeah, I think it's so funny that uh, Jonathan Grease, just a year and a half earlier, played another werewolf in Monster Squad. Yeah. Uncle Rico! (laughs) I know. I think that I was in mild shock when I saw him in Napoleon Dynamite. And I was just like... Oh my god, <laughs> Wolfman got nards. Um, yeah, I don't. That's a, is it a weird coincidence that they're just like mm, we still have the same makeup and the same guy? This will be easy. <laughs> no, it's actually know. wildly different. I think the world from this one. Sucks. I know. I'm just kidding. It looks so I'm stupid. Just <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't really think the special effects in this are great. Um, and. You said, I think, that the budget was $3 million. I don't know how accurate the facts are on IMDb. Probably may not be terribly accurate. This says it was 7.5. But Maybe. Because I'll say this. The who sun, knows who Some of the special effects look like they're more difficult than $3 million could handle. Like the whole end sequence mm-hmm. with the bat. Uh, and, and there's little things like, um, there's the uh, guy on the roller skates. Um when he dies, his transformation is very unique and looked like it was expensive to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Oh, what about, uh, oh, what's the big guy? He's always a bad guy and stuff. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. But, uh, he, oh, Brian. Some, Brian, Brian something. Thompson, thank um, you, yeah. Um, who was really good with special mm-hmm. effects. I think he did like three different characters on Buffy and Angel because um, he could handle Oh, yes. But his bug eating was thing. He, was he Adam? Uh, no, he wasn't. No, there was, Never I think mind. it was at the end of season three. He is like a super soldier monster thing, though. That she Doesn't she blow him up with like a rocket launcher uh, or something? 
Never mind. It's okay. fine. I can't remember, but yes, I think you're right. Yeah, his like his ticks and stuff, like his quirks, were very interesting. Yeah. He always described the bug and then chew on it. But I love the fact that he would eat these gross, nasty bugs. But then they later have a sequence in the bowling alley where they're all like, uh, you know, they killed everybody there and they're having a fun time. And then all of a sudden the head comes out mm-hmm. of the bowling ball dispenser and he flips out. And I'm like, wait a minute. God, I know. <laughs> How do you not? The world that you're in is covered in blood and bugs. And <laughs> yet you're grossed out by this. Yeah, that's that was an unexpected re- uh, reaction that oh. I enjoyed. And when he is gutted, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, that's gross. I mean, his head clearly looks fake, but I thought they did a good job of grossing you out. Oh, it said that that char- that like little character thing was his idea to recite the name of each like like the scientific name and species before he ate them. That is cool. That's interesting. Uh, did you recognize his friend Richie? Who only plays a small part. They, I feel like they were trying to make him like Evil yeah. Ed, but they just changed their mind and just kind of made him a neutral. Like he wasn't annoying; he was just kind of like distant friend. Uh, I don't think he was in enough of it to really make a impact. Yeah, but uh, he is from Square Pegs. He's the really tall, goofy guy. He's like totally, huh. totally. Hard. No, yep. uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah like... no. Wow! So he died at. At 29 in 1989. Yeah, so this was his last performance, I believe. Wow, he was in a lot of Star Trek. Yeah, he played uh, Captain Kirk's That's son. interesting. What? Yeah, he's in uh, the second oh. and third movie. In the third movie, he sacrifices himself to save uh, young Spock. He's also in Star Trek Next Generation as a whole different character. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> as if people want to remember. Kind of. Maybe they put him in makeup. Anyway. Though. Yeah doesn't matter but uh that's just sad yeah it's i I do enjoy some of the stuff in this movie i i I miss the songs i miss the scope the the but there is i think a little more humor in this i love uh i can't remember his name but he was the boss in the first few seasons of perfect strangers he's a what pumbaa oh sure where he's describing all these things. It's so ridiculous. When he gets the, the, the stake in his chest, and he's just like, explain this. What you're going through right now is a moment of stress. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing was a little strange. Um, and I admit, I didn't remember it, and it surprised me. Yeah. But I, I do believe it's worth finding. But the problem is, it is so hard to fucking find. It's somewhere, the the rights are now a limbo kind of thing. So Lionsgate, even though they inherited the catalog from this company, for some reason Fright Night is not in that. So it was on DVD for one hot minute and it's never been beyond that. And I don't know why, what's going on. Um, but it is on YouTube in widescreen, thank God, because that pan and scan looked like The quality shit. on YouTube was actually pretty decent. Yeah. I was... Happy, or at least not mortified by my viewing experience, which I am sometimes yeah. when we have to watch things on YouTube. And I, I honestly believe if they hadn't gone bankrupt, they would have pushed this more. I really think they thought it was going to be a hit. There was a video game. There was a comic book series I had every issue of from wow. now comics that lasted like two or three years. Where in that, Evil Eddie does come back. Um hmm. And there was plans for a part three. It did very, very well on video, even though it didn't do well in theaters. And I believe Tom Holland was going to write the story and produce it and have someone else finish the script and direct it. And Peter Vincent, or sorry, Roddy McDowell and him had a meeting with uh, one of the executives at Caracol. It went well. 
and then the man died. Uh-huh. I told you the story, right? About the no. Man. Well, I'm reading it right now. You did tell me, but it's not just any man. It is the 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 Jose Menendez, the famous father of the Menendez brothers. <laughs> so yeah, it said they were scheduled to yeah discuss a third film, and then number two, basically that's kind of how it. I mean, why it didn't get much success because they didn't get wide distribution. They barely made it in theaters and basically was straight to video. Um, and most people only saw it, you know, once, you know, at the video store. So, man, that's, uh, that's whack. That's bizarre. (laughs) You know, that cover is so iconic. I still remember seeing it for the very first time. We were going to the post office and there's a video store like, uh, next door to it. And I saw this big white poster that said Fright Night 2 and just the outline of, uh, Regina's face. And I, Mm -hmm. I can't remember where I saw that car, but somebody in my life in the last few years had a, a white Trans Am with that painted on the hood. Really? Yeah, it was fucking awesome. I couldn't Wait, believe. which which cover? The like one with the weird like wait. It's it's all white with her outlined face, not the one that's similar to the first poster where it's the college dorm and the vampire in the Oh background. yeah. It's basically the same poster with the face behind the dorm instead. So I have to look at the pictures and see if I can see that that version. Yeah, it's... Because I don't know what... Yeah, it's the one that made the VHS cover. So if you want to look that up, I that's... See. But um, Tom Holland uh, did put out a Peter Vincent comic book recently. I can't uh, tell cool. if it's between the movies or after the movie, but he wants to do a third one. I just don't see that happening. Um like with the rights being so weird, he I think now owns the rights to his original script, which is a problem because uh, we're going to discuss the remake and the sequel to the remake down the road, and that is another thing where it's, it bounces from studio to studio, and I think all of it's because Steven uh, Spielberg was a huge fan of the first Fright Night, so he bought it. Mm. And he bought it and produced it for DreamWorks, which is the one that we love. And then there's the the problematic one that came out a few years after that, where it's basically Fright Night again, but with elements of Fright Night 2. So it's very strange, because making an actual sequel, uh, those rights are weird, and I don't know what they're going to do, because obviously uh, Roddy McDowell is gone, and... Uh, you know, William Ragsdale's getting up there. I, the only thing I can think of is if he's older, maybe his child now is in danger and he comes back or something like that. Or he trains the next generation of vampire fighters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've never seen... Obviously, I've seen the remake. It's really, really pretty good. You know, they have some really good actors. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Anton Yelkin and David Tennant. But I've never seen this number two because i don't i don't quite understand the point i guess it it was yeah it's it is literally a remake of the first movie again but with different just slightly different elements it's still entertaining but it does feel like uh what's the point it but it's just one of those things where like you got the rights well guess what we can only remake the original one again yeah so i guess someday i'll sit through it and then we can talk about it (laughs) unless it's a complete disaster i don't want to (laughs) We'll just, we'll just talk really long about the remake then. Maybe we can do horror remakes if that one sucks. Because I know there's a lot of good okay. horror remakes. People say horror remakes are bullshit. And I'm like, no. It's just different than what you 
originally watched. There's a different emotional reaction. Though some mm-hmm. flat out suck. Well, both yeah, Prom Nights I mean, suck. The remake and the original suck. <laughs> I think that's part of it, though, is that, you know, people have, uh, you know, emotional connections to things, and uh, sometimes it really it takes a while to see, you know, the merit or, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, you know. Like the flaws the in the original? You, yeah. Yeah, or like, like for years, I was like, I don't want to watch Arrow. I don't want to watch Arrow because they recast and don't have Justin Hartley, who I was used to after, you know, how many years on Smallville. I was all offended on his behalf or something. And it's just like, it's just a totally different show, and I just had to accept that it's a different show. Yeah. You know, it's not. So I, I just sometimes you just have to, like, get over yourself right the, the, <laughs> one that, the one that the one that got sucks but the one that got away yeah. with from us was the uh the remake of revenge of the nerds with dan bird and i still don't know 100 what happened but um the guy who was producing it was just like oh this is not like the original and i'm like yeah what part wasn't about the original because the original has some serious fucking problems and i don't know if he was going for pg-13 or r or what it is but i feel sorry for dan bird because i love that actor and uh, to is have that he, movie Was he done. supposed to be the star of it? Yeah, yeah. Because I thought Adam Driver was supposed to, like, star on it back in... I mean, Adam Driver. Oh, my God. Um, Adam... Brody? What's his name from, like... Brody, thank you, sorry. Brody, I thought he was supposed to be the star of it. I can't... I don't know. But I know that I know that he was... Danbird was cast in it, so... But uh, oh, I that, was, didn't know. that was when Fox Atomic existed, and he had just come off of Hills Have Eyes, and he was kind of a hot property for them. But yeah, they just shut it down, yeah. so we'll never know what happened in those first few. I think only shot for a few days, and they shut it down. But um, I'm a pretty, big, I'm a pretty big fan of his still. Yeah. All right, so that is it for this episode, everybody. I don't know if we'll fit another Halloween one. We have time, I guess, but uh, I don't want to also rush. Maybe, it. yeah, maybe. So. Um, that is it for this episode. Check us out on Facebook under Video Night Podcast. We are the spinoff from that. And uh, Mindy, thank you for another great episode. You're welcome. Oh, thanks. You're so cool, Mindy-ster. <laughs> Muster. I'll shut up. You're now. so cool, Brewster. The end. <laughs>